Well, good evening. Uh, let's take our Bibles, please. Turn to 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel 7. Uh, we, th- we sang, there we go, we sang, thank you, Lord. Mike, if there's nothing else that we could think of to thank him for, we can thank him tonight for saving our souls. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Uh, 2 Samuel 7 tonight. 2 Samuel 7. Marilyn, it wouldn't be right if I didn't ask everyone, are you glad to be in the Lord's house tonight? <laughs> Amen. Good to see you. Uh, I'm glad to be here also. We need Wednesday night, amen? It's, it's important. Uh, we need it. I'm thankful for it. I'm glad you're here tonight. Uh, 2 Samuel 7 is, Gary, I always want to call every chapter an important chapter because they're all important, right? But there's, there's so many uh, important things that we see happening here tonight. Uh, in this chapter, we meet Nathan the prophet. Uh, it's the first time that, that he appears uh, this is the same Nathan that will deal with David later uh, regarding his sin with Bathsheba. Uh, he factors in a number of places in, in David's life uh, during his reign. Uh, we'll see him here tonight. Uh, we'll see him initially tell David, you know, it'd be okay for you to build uh, the, the tabernacle, forgive me, the temple. Uh, and then the Lord comes and says, uh, Nathan, you better tell him, no, that's not my plan. So we, we see that tonight. Uh, we see the Lord tell David, no, you will not build a temple for me. Uh, but then our, God makes a great covenant with David, uh, the Davidic covenant tonight. We see uh, God's great promises uh, to David. Uh, gentlemen, if, if you think back to what you know about God's promises to David and how God uh, used David in history, maybe Gary, I'll ask you, what, what, what do you think would be the most important way that God has used David in history, or one of them at least? Yeah, I mean, being, being the, the one who received this promise that there would be uh, an eternality to his kingdom, and I understand there's a human sense in which that did end temporarily with the last king there in Judah, but uh, we also know that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is descended physically from David, uh, and, and he does rule and reign eternally, and of course he will rule and reign uh, upon the throne of David here uh, during the millennium as well. So uh, we'll see these promises uh, made to David, uh, things related uh, to the Davidic covenant, uh, tonight. And then a wonderful prayer, Zach, a wonderful prayer. Uh, David's response to this series of, of promises that, that God made to him. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this tonight before we even get there. Mike, just in case I forget to say it when we do get there, um, David's response to God's promises is, is humble and it's thankful. And it causes me to stop. Is that light flickering? It is. It's not just my eye, right? We'll have to. We'll have to look at that. Uh, Andrew, I don't know if maybe we could flick, flick the switch and see if that stops. Uh, I don't want anyone to have a seizure. Amen. Uh, maybe, maybe we can convince it to stop, or if it's just one of them, one of the three switches, maybe we can uh, leave that one off. It's probably just one of the three switches that are controlling those lights. Um, anyway, that's it. It is done. Okay, that's better. It wasn't just my, I was convinced it was my eye, and then Carol helped me by looking up at it. So it's a little bit dark, but we'll, we'll be okay. Um, David's response to God's promises is just a humble, grateful prayer of, of gratitude. And, and what, what a great model for us. Gary, the Lord has made many promises to us, and you know we should respond with the same humility, the same gratitude, uh, the same prayerfulness. So we'll see that tonight. Uh, let's go ahead and open in prayer. Brother Ernie, I want to greet you tonight again and, and say hello and, and say we're grateful that uh, you're able to be here tonight. Welcome, sir. Uh, let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the privilege to assemble together tonight. Uh, Lord, it is uh, a privilege that we uh, tend to take for granted. I pray tonight that you'd help us uh, not to do that, Lord, but to I'll really be thankful tonight that we live in a country that still enjoys uh, the freedom to assemble together freely. Lord, we've been reminded this week that is not the case around the world. And so I pray tonight that you just restore our gratitude for the freedoms that we enjoy. And Lord, that you'd remind us to take full advantage of the privileges that we enjoy. 
uh, in this country with respect to uh, serving you and, and obeying you. Lord, I pray tonight as we look into 2 Samuel chapter 7 that you'd work here. You'd help us to see the things, the principles that you would have us to see tonight. Lord, that you'd help us to come to these principles with hearts uh, yielded to the Holy Spirit tonight. Uh, Lord, desiring you to guide us in our hearts uh, with respect to how we may apply these principles uh, in our church and in our individual lives. Uh, Lord, help us. Uh, help me tonight. I pray that you'd teach us, instruct us, encourage us, uh, Lord, tonight. Build us up for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your words and, and pray that you help me to handle them well now uh, for you and for our church. Uh, we pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you in 2 Samuel chapter 7? Is that where we are? 2 Samuel chapter 7. Let's jump right in here tonight. We meet here Nathan, again, Nathan the prophet. Uh, we don't know an awful lot about him. We, we meet him here. We see him uh, serving as a prophet of God during the reigns of both David and Solomon. Uh, I've already mentioned we see him here uh, for the first time. I've already mentioned that we see him correcting David, um, approaching David regarding his sin with Bathsheba. Uh, he'll, he'll play it, we'll see later on, he'll factor into Solomon's reign as well. But uh, here uh, he deals with David regarding David's intention uh, to build a permanent uh, tabernacle or a temple would be the idea, of course. Second uh, Samuel chapter 7, verse 1, it came to pass when the king, David, uh, sat in his house. This is this wonderful new house the Lord has given him. Uh, and, the Lord, uh, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. Uh, praise God, he was able to protect David. He's able to protect us from our enemies as well. Uh, verse 2, the king said unto Nathan the prophet. Uh, here's Nathan. He says, see now, I dwell in a house of cedar, uh, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. So you could picture David there. He's, he's got this wonderful, sturdy house that God has provided to him, not just a sturdy house, but one of cedar. Uh, Brother Gary, this no doubt was very beautiful and impressive and, and strong. And uh, he evidently has, has set up the tabernacle or something like that uh, to house the ark, uh, at least temporarily. Uh, and you could just picture him, Mike, kind of comparing his house uh, to this temporary dwelling place for the ark, which David understood was to be a dwelling place for the Lord. And he's, he's thinking, well, if I have this kind of permanent, uh, wonderfully beautiful permanent place here, uh, shouldn't the Lord have the same thing? Shouldn't the ark have the, the same kind of permanent structure uh, that I have? And you, you just see that's kind of where David's uh, thinking goes. And and he's discussing this with, with Nathan, uh, no doubt desiring that Nathan would say, well, sure, that, that's good. And uh, I'm sure that the Lord would have no issue with this. And he was hoping Nathan would say, in fact, I'm sure the Lord would have you to do this. And at first, that's what Nathan does. Verse 3, Nathan said uh, to the king, to King David, go, uh, do all that is in thine heart. Uh, he says this, for the Lord is with thee. Now, if you remember the passage, we'll, we'll continue in a moment, uh, almost immediately in verse 4, that, that night, the Lord comes to Nathan and says, nuh-uh, that's the technical term, right, Zach? The Lord says, nuh-uh, do not want David to do that. In fact, you go and tell David, hey, did I ever ask you to build me a house? <laughs> did I ever ask anyone to build me a house? I gave, I gave all these instructions about a tabernacle and uh, don't you think that if I wanted you to build me a more permanent house for the same purpose, that, that I would have given instructions to do that? Uh, and so Nathan has to kind of take this instruction and go back to David and say, hey, I, ha I had that wrong. This is, this is what the Lord would have you to do. But, but go back and look at verse 3 again. Uh, David uh, has asked Nathan, uh, Nathan there we go, um, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwell with curtains. Uh, the implication is, don't you think we ought to build God a house too? Nathan said to King, verse 3, go do all this in thy heart, for the Lord is with thee. Now, Zach, uh, Nathan seems quite sure about that. He says, do what's on your heart, the Lord is with thee. Uh, it seems like he's, he's pretty sure that um, God would, would have him to do that. But is there anything missing here? Uh, is there anything missing here before he gives David the go-ahead? David has a, a thought 
Uh, Nathan's there. He shares it with Nathan. And Nathan says, yep, sure enough, go ahead. The Lord is with thee. Uh, is, it, is this troubling at all, especially given that we know that the Lord's going to immediately have Nathan deliver the opposite message? Zach, thoughts? What's missing in Nathan's, maybe would say, his process? It, it doesn't look like he's consulted the Lord, right? Uh, you would think, in, in, Mike, in a matter this important, right? This, this critical, this, this, uh, this important. <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, you would think that Nathan would kind of go and seek the Lord and say, hey, uh, Lord, as you know, David has a desire to kind of upgrade the tabernacle to a more permanent temple like his home. And uh, Lord, what would you have us to do? You would, you would hope to see him go and seek the Lord. Uh, Rich, you recall David has had to learn to stop and seek the Lord along the way. And uh, perhaps in, in this case, he's seeking the Lord through Nathan. That's not unreasonable. Uh, but Nathan does not seem to seek the Lord. He just says, sure enough, uh, go for it, do it. Um, and then in verse 4, the Lord, Lord comes to Nathan. So, uh, yeah, here's another reminder tonight that uh, when there's an important decision, I mean, do well to stop and to pray. Lord, guide my heart, guide my thoughts. Help me to see biblical principles that should guide my decision. Uh, Lord, if there's a, a wise person who I might counsel with, who I might receive wise counsel from, kind of you know, lead my thoughts in, in that direction, those, of course, would all be biblical principles that factor into uh, decision-making. David's being wise and seeking counsel from Nathan the prophet. That's, that's certainly wise. Uh, but Nathan's not sought the Lord, it doesn't seem. Well, the Lord, the Lord graciously uh, corrects Nathan, and has Nathan to go back to David. Uh, verse 4, it came past that night, the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David. David's king, but he's still the servant of the Lord. Amen. Uh, we do well to bear in mind that no matter what position we may uh, rise into, uh, Zachary, who received a promotion recently, uh, you're still the Lord's servant. Amen. We're, we're still servants of God. Uh, go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, uh, shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Uh, what God says, go back to David and say, hey, did the Lord tell you to build him a house? Did God tell you to do that? Uh, verse 6, whereas I have not, this is the Lord speaking to Nathan, the message for David, uh, whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time I brought up the children uh, of Israel out of Egypt, rich, there's only been the tabernacle, right? It was a tent, it was mobile, it was never permanent. Uh, he, the Lord says, even to this day, uh, but have walked in a tent and a tabernacle. Verse 7, in all the places where I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any tribe of Israel whom I commanded to feed my uh, people Israel, saying, why build ye not me in house of cedar? <laughs> God says, hey, did I ever ask anyone, why have you not yet built me a house of cedar? <laughs> God says, what, what's the answer? No, Lord, you, you never asked anyone to do that. Uh, you, no, no, one, no one should even be thinking about this at this time. God, you've not asked us to do that. Verse 8, the Lord says to Nathan, Now therefore so shalt thou say unto my what? What does it say? Verse 8, Now therefore so shalt thou say unto my servant, David, king, but still servant of the Lord, unto my servant David, thus saith the Lord of hosts. That title has been used a lot here. It's, it's Jehovah Sabah, Lord of hosts. Uh, I took thee from the sheep coat. Uh, David, remember, uh, you, you were just a, a little shepherd boy when, when, I took the, when I took you, when I chose you. Uh, I took thee from a humble shepherd's life, uh, from following the sheep to be ruler uh, over my people, over Israel. Uh, I think, Gary, the Lord wants David to be reminded that he just should stay humble and let God work and let God continue uh, to call the shots. God called David from humble origins, uh, ch having chose him, has guided him and directed him uh, graciously 
uh, and nothing should change. Zach, he should just continue to look to the Lord for uh, direction, uh, the Lord's gracious direction. He should stay humble. He should be reminded that he would not be in this position without the Lord having chosen him and, uh, and having placed him there. He's still God's servant. He should still look to God uh, for direction rather than striking out on his own as he's done uh, without success in the past. Verse 9, And when I was with thee, whithersoever thou wentest, the Lord's message to David, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, uh, like unto the name of the great men that are in earth. So uh, this is God's message uh, that Nathan is to deliver to David. Didn't ask you to do that. Don't do that. Now, Brother Art, do you suppose that David might have been uh, discouraged upon, or at least tempted to be discouraged upon receiving that uh, radically different counsel now from, from Nathan? I think that he might have been tempted at least to be discouraged, right? He, uh, he uh, I'm looking at Mike and I wanna say Gary. You're Mike, that's Gary. I'm okay now, I'm okay, that's Mike. That's Gary, you're Mike, I'm okay. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Um, he might have been discouraged. He, he had a plan to do something great for the Lord and, uh, and the Lord said no. The Lord said no, that might have been discouraging. Uh, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be. Uh, all David has to do is what God's called him to do, right? God's called him to serve as king. Uh, to carry out whatever specific directions uh, God gives, uh, to lead the people according to principles and, and direction that, that God has laid out, uh, to really not to call his own shots, but to look to the Lord. He's, he's gotten ahead of the Lord here, and uh, the Lord is kind of reeling him back and saying, no, you, you, just, you just do what I have called you to do. Uh, but Gary, I'm, I'm sure there might have been a temptation to be discouraged. Uh, today, I think sometimes we get ahead of the Lord uh, sometimes, or at least temptation, get ahead of the Lord in terms of what he might have us to do for him. Or we get an idea in our head, I'd like to be able to do this, but for whatever reason, I, I can't. And so we're, we're tempted to be discouraged about that. Uh, Rich, I think I've said many times over the years, uh, if the Lord would have me to do something for him, uh, he'll lay that upon my heart, he'll give me a piece about it, and he'll also make that possible, right? And if he's not laid it on my heart, if he's not giving me peace about it, uh, and he's not made it possible, I probably ought to consider further, pray further, uh, get more counsel. Don't be discouraged, but pray, wait upon the Lord, uh, get more counsel, uh, and then go forward as, as God gives me peace uh, with whatever his, his call is. Well, God understands, no doubt, that David might be tempted to be discouraged. Uh, and so the, the Lord graciously, Brother Art, begins to kind of lay out his, his covenantal promises, his, the covenant that he's making with David. Uh, he doesn't want David to be discouraged. In fact, he wants him to be greatly encouraged that if he'll just do what God has him to do, uh, God is going to use him and his descendants in a great way. All David has to do is let God work in him and through him as he yields to the Lord. God, God's gonna use David and his descendants in a great way. Gary, you also already said uh, his, his line will serve uh, the Lord. His line will be uh, preserved by the Lord. Uh, and ultimately, the Lord Jesus Christ will come through that line, and, and he'll ultimately rule, rule and reign uh, on, on that throne uh, in the millennium. And all, all he has to do is exactly what God's called him to do, nothing more, uh, nothing less. So what I want to do is just kind of a quick study through the next uh, four, five, six verses here maybe, uh, and just look at some elements of, of the covenant. And it's in some ways a lot of similarities to the covenant that God made with Abraham. Uh, remember, do you remember were there two kind of major promises that God made to Abraham? Were there, were there two kind of main elements? Rich, you, do you have one or two of them? Yeah, thank you. So descendants, right? So there, there was a land promise or a seed promise, sorry, land promise and then a seed promise. He would have many descendants uh, and, and they would possess the land uh, and God would work through his descendants in the land in, in a great way. So, right, the land promise, the seed promise. And 
we, we know that that promise is going to be kind of carried down through uh, from, well, from Abraham down through David um, and, and others. So we won't be surprised here to see God reiterate some aspects of the earlier uh, covenantal promises that he's made to Abraham. And, and you do see that. You do see them. I'm going to give them to you in, in P's tonight. I had to stretch a little bit, Mike, to get them all into P's. But uh, first, uh, there, there is a land promise. We'll call it a place for, for a P, okay? Uh, a land promise or a place. So the land promise that has been made to the people is reiterated by God to David. Now hear this, and I'll ask you a question about it. Verse 10, uh, so this is, again, God's message to David that will be given through Nathan. He says, moreover, I will appoint a place. So if we're using P's here, we're, we're on solid biblical footing, Brother Richard, a place. Uh, there's the first P. For my people... Uh, that's going to be the second P, by the way. We're, we're trying to keep it biblical, right? Uh, so there's a place and there's people. Uh, we'll see place first. I'll point a place for my people Israel and will plant them. That's not one of my P's, but that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Uh, neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them uh, any more as before time. And that might be a reference back to the Egyptians, it could be a reference to the Canaanites, the various enemies um, of God's people. Now, this is interesting. The Lord here is promising land or place uh, to his people. Now, I say it's interesting because, Brother Garcia, aren't they already in the land? The people have been in the land for some time now, right? And so uh, you might look at this and say, well, I'm not sure why the Lord exactly would be making uh, this promise here uh, to David. I think there's, there's a few possibilities. I, I think the Lord might be reminding David that he has promised them, uh, the people, the place that they are in. Uh, the Lord might be, as I have done, connecting this covenant to the earlier covenants, Noah, Abraham, and so forth. Um, he might, Gary, uh, intend to um, communicate that just as he has brought them into the place that he had promised Abraham, he's, he's going to uh, help them to put down stronger, deeper roots in that place. He's, he's reiterating uh, that promise. They'll not be displaced from this place because God has brought them there uh, and God is going to supernaturally keep them there. Um, one man said, well, the people have been in the land for more than 400 years. The Lord promised to further establish them uh, in the land. I think that that's probably part of the idea here. God brought them there in fulfillment of the promise he made to uh, Abraham, or at least in partial fulfillment of that promise. Uh, he he's intends to keep them there supernaturally. Now, do the people possess all of that territory today? like right now? Do they, do they possess all the land that God promised to Abraham today? I don't think so either. I, I'm pretty sure that we'd, we'd have to say no. Uh, we'd, we'd have to say no, but we believe that they will, right? And certainly looking ahead to the millennium, uh, we understand that they, people, they will possess all the land that God has promised. So uh, that we understand that. So there, there's a place. And this has been a, a part of God's covenantal promises to his people, uh, and it's being reiterated here. Uh, we said people, uh, num number two, we see that in verse 10. Um, but uh, the, the specific promise uh, with regard to people here uh, is, is David's lineage and a sort of a dynasty, a spiritual dynasty uh, that will be built from David's lineage. Uh, so it's people, but with this specific idea. Look at verse 11. Uh, the Lord says to David through Nathan, and uh, as since the time that I have commanded judges, remember the judges, to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also, uh, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee, and what? Now isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Because... Uh, David just said to the Lord, hey, Lord, I, I want to build you a house of cedar. You've, you've given me this physical uh, house of cedar. I'm going to do the same thing for you. Lord, Lord I'm going to build you a house. David had a physical house, right, for the spiritual presence of God in, in that physical house. 
Lord comes back to him and says, nuh-uh, that's the technical term, Mike, nuh-uh, you're not going to build me a physical house, but I'm going to build you a physical lineage, uh, a, a, a dynasty. Um, in, in England, Brother Art, the, the, they have houses like the House of Windsor, right? That would be that a certain family that ruled and reigned for, for a period of time, the House of Windsor. That would be the, the current uh, dynasty in, in England, I believe, if that's correct. Uh, the Lord's not telling David that he's going to give him a physical house. He's saying, I, I am going to grow from you uh, a dynasty, uh, a, a dynasty, a, se a series of, of rulers, um, a, a spiritual dynasty, but it'll, it'll be a physical lineage um, that and this is part of God's promise to David, part, part of this covenant. And it's, Gary, it's perhaps the most important part of the covenant because it's that house, that family tree, uh, that dynasty that eventually ushers the Lord Jesus Christ into the world. So this is, a, this is an important promise the Lord makes to, to David. David, you're not going to build me a house, a physical house, but I'm going to build you a house. Uh, a critically important uh, dynasty, a, a lineage that is absolutely central uh, to my plan. David's going to come to understand that uh, fairly quickly. Um, he he prom makes another promise here in, in verse 12. He says, when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. What's that mean, Rich? When your days are fulfilled, you sleep with your fathers. When you physically die, thank you, sir, he says, I will set up thy seed after thee, uh, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. So there's a promise of people, there's a promise of lineage, uh, there, there's a promise of a dynasty, and I, for a P, I, I, I use perpetuity in my notes. Perpetuity is something that just continues on, right? It, it continues on over a period of time. God says, listen, I, I, I'm going to use you as I choose. Uh, but, but the most important thing is, is I'm going to grow a lineage uh, out of your line, uh, through, through you, uh, a family tree, uh, a spiritual dynasty uh, that is going to serve me and accomplish my purposes. And I'm going to continue that line. That line will continue uh, in, in perpetuity. Uh, this is a great promise. It, it's a supernatural promise. I'm, I'm, I'm going to grow your tree, your line, your lineage, uh, and I'm just going to keep moving it. And we'll talk more about that. Um, there's, a, there's a purpose. Uh, I guess that would be the fourth P. Uh, God has a purpose for all of this, uh, and it's, it's service. Um, we understand that ultimately it's to bring the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, but God does have other purposes for this lineage that he's promising to David, this, this spiritual dynasty. Uh, look at verse 13. Uh, it's purposeful. Uh, he says, he shall build an house for my name. So God says, well, you're not going to build me a physical house. I'm going to build you into a house, but uh, someone in your line, someone in your line is going to build me a house, the tabernacle. And we understand this is uh, Solomon, of course. Uh, after David dies, verse 12, the next one in his line uh, will, will be able, will be, have the purpose, uh, service purpose of building the tabernacle. The Lord says, for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom uh, forever. Now, we understand, and we, we can't spend a lot of time on this tonight, but there's, there's reasons that David was not allowed to build the tabernacle. Does it, gentlemen, does anyone remember uh, why it was that David was not allowed to build the tabernacle? God had a reason for that. Zach? Yeah, Zach said blood was on his hands. And you could just make a note, you don't have to turn there. First Chronicles 28.3, certainly you, you may turn there. Uh, First Chronicles 28.3, uh, there the Bible records, but God said unto me, David, thou shalt not build a house for my name because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. So that was the reason uh, that, that God gave. Uh, he would not be permitted to build this holy place uh, where the presence of God would reside uh, for that reason, but Solomon, the first in this uh, perpetuity lineage, uh, this spiritual dynasty that has promised to David, the very next one in line uh, will have this privilege. And so, you know, I think if you're David, if you were discouraged five minutes before you, you receive this message, as you, as you begin to process this, you're, you're saying, boy, 
you know, I have nothing to be discouraged about. Uh, it, he's starting to kind of grasp it and understand it, and, he, and he's, he's seeing, boy, God is making an extraordinary promise to me. He's going uh, he's, he's to grow my line and, and use it in extraordinary ways. While I may not have the privilege to build a tabernacle, uh, the very next one in my line will, will have that privilege. And uh, There's really nothing to be, to be discouraged about at all. Zach, now... Put yourself in David's shoes for a minute. So there you are uh, receiving this message. I believe we, we can assume he's received all of this through Nathan. Um, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? <laughs> You're excited, but also you said burdened. Why? This is a lot of responsibility. So... You might feel a weight, uh, sort of a weight on, on your shoulders. Um, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Yeah, just stay close to the Lord, right? Uh, yeah, God's made it clear to him, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. Uh, he should keep in mind that God is saying, I am going to accomplish this through you, right? Um, you don't have to go and worry yourself building a tabernacle. You just let me use you the way I want to use you. I, I'm going to accomplish this uh, through you. Of course, he'd do well, stay close to the Lord and, and um, all, all of that. Um, I think also, um, tell, tell me if I'm wrong. Just be gentle, okay? Um, do you think there might have been a temptation to doubt any of this? Do you think there might be a temptation to doubt any of this? Mike, I agree. Mike's going like this, and, and I agree. Um, Nathan just said it was okay to build the tabernacle. Nathan just said it was okay to do that. Here he is, he's back the next day saying, nuh-uh, but I got all this other cool stuff for you. <laughs> and he didn't say it like that, right? But you, you, you might be tempted to doubt Nathan, um, be, because of what's happened here. Um, you, you might be tempted to doubt some of it. You might be tempted to doubt this for, for any number uh, of reasons. Um, do you think? Do you think? Uh, and <laughs> I think God probably knew that that would be the case. I mean, Mike, God knows that we, we have these little crises of faith, right? And at times, we're tempted to doubt God's promises. He, he knows that. Uh, God certainly knows that. Uh, and so I, I believe that, um, well, let me, let me back up and say one more thing. Um, why, why might, why else might David be tempted to doubt this? Why else might David be tempted? Say God made a bunch of promises to you. By the way, he has, right? He's made a bunch of promises to you. Um, why might you be tempted to doubt some of them? guys your own weakness and exactly what do you mean by that yes 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 but what do you mean my doubt my faith yeah and i i absolutely agree with you and, and i'm just i'm going to broaden that a little bit um because of my weakness, I don't feel qualified to be the recipient of those promises, right? God, I, I don't, God, you know me. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not like perfect. Anybody here perfect yet? Anybody? Anybody like close to perfect? Well, God's still working on us, right? We're not there yet, but we're growing, amen? Are you growing? Brother Garcia, are you like close to perfect? <laughs> are you growing? Are you growing in holiness? Are you growing in obedience? Are you? I hope. Lord, help us. I, th I think David might have been tempted to say, man, you know, God just mentioned uh, he took me from the sheep, the sheep coat, the sheepfold. Who am I to be making these promises to? Uh, I, I have these sinful thoughts and these sinful desires, and sure enough, he's, he's going to fall into sin with Bathsheba. David knew where his, where his heart was and where his mind was and how spiritually not yet perfect he, he was. He's probably tempted to think, I'm not qualified to receive these promises. And surely before, uh, before uh, my life is over, uh, my days are over, I will somehow disqualify myself 
from these blessings. And I wonder sometimes if these promises, I wonder sometimes, um, Ernie, if, if we're tempted to feel the same way. I know God has made promises, but also know that I am really um, not worthy of God keeping those promises to me. And so sometimes I think I'm, I'm going to lose the privilege to see those promises uh, fulfilled. I, I wonder um, if that's the reason that we struggle sometimes. Sometimes it, it might be. Um, are it, is, has God made promises to you? Has he made promises to keep you saved? Is that conditioned upon your performance as a believer? Do you, have to, do you have to be a really good Christian to keep your salvation? It'd be nice if we could be, but no, it's not. We, we need salvation because we're not perfect, right? And, and, and that's grace. <laughs> and, it's, and it's the fact that Christ has paid the price upon the cross, right? It's not about, I, I didn't earn my salvation initially. I can't earn the, the maintenance of my salvation. It's, it's, not, it's by grace through faith, not of works. Um, God understands all of this. Mike, it took me a long time to get back around to that point, but I, the Lord can look upon David's heart as he has in the past and, and surely understand that, as Zach said, there, there'd be a weight and a temptation to doubt, and, and some of it, no doubt, would be um, based on feeling unqualified or concern that his lineage his lineage might disqualify themselves some way uh, and, and, and not remain qualified to be used of God as God has promised to David. And so if, if that's your focus, you're back to being all discouraged again. You're not excited, Zach, about the promise, the covenant that God's making here. You, you're just concerned and worried and anxious. Um, God understands all of that. He knows our hearts. And so... Um, he wants David to understand that these promises, uh, they're, they're, they're absolutely positively going to be brought to pass. You can maybe take that as your last P. Uh, they're certain, they're sure, uh, they're positive to be fulfilled uh, by the Lord. And it's not going to be about David's performance as a believer or about the perfect obedience of Solomon or anyone else. Um, no man except Lord Jesus Christ has ever been perfect. And it's not going to be about their, their perfection. It's going to be about the Lord's grace. Look here in, in verse 14. Um, he says, the Lord says to David, uh, I will be his father. Now, I think he's talking specifically about Solomon. But because he's talking about Solomon in verse 13, the one that comes after David dies. Uh, I will be his father and he shall be my son. Amen. And, and then the Lord says this, if he commit iniquity, what does that mean, Zach, if he commit iniquity? If he sins, uh, I will what? Chasten him. I'll chasten him. I'll correct him if he sins. Don't you worry, mister. Uh, if your son sins, I'm going to correct him uh, as a heavenly father, just like you would as his earthly father. I'll correct him with the rod of men and with the stripes of children of men. But, verse 15, but... This is a wonderful verse. Please don't miss it. Everybody wake up. He says, but my mercy shall what? Not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. God says, listen, I'm making promises to you, and you, it's not about you. I'm making promises to you about your lineage, starting with Solomon. It's not going to be about him and his perfection apart from me either. Uh, he's, he'll need correction and he'll get it. But no matter what, my mercy, my grace will not depart from him. God says, don't you worry. Don't you, don't you fret. Uh, I am going to accomplish the promise that I make to you down through your line because I'm a God who can uh, and I'm a God who is merciful. Grace is implied in all this language. I'm a gracious, merciful God who could choose to work through you, imperfect David, uh, and, and down through your imperfect lineage. Now, Brother Art, I, I think that's the fact of the situation. It would have been very encouraging to David. But as I look at that, I say, boy, 
the same thing is, is true in our lives today, right? I'm, I don't think I'm descended from David. I don't know. Marilyn, maybe you are. I don't, I don't know. Um, but uh, I do know that God has made promises to me that are not conditioned upon how, how good I am. Aren't you grateful for that today? Aren't you grateful for that? He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. Um, yes, I should be obedient. I have no excuse. Uh, yes, I should be yielded to the Holy Spirit and, and growing in holiness. I have no excuse uh, for, for anything else. Uh, but at the end of the day, I have a gracious, merciful God uh, who will keep his promises to me because of that, because of how perfect he is, not because of how perfect I am. Aren't you glad for that tonight? I mean, that, that, praise God, <laughs> praise God. I, I should seek to be as obedient as possible and always growing in holiness, absolutely. But when I fail, Mike, God is still God and he's still gracious and he's still merciful and he'll still accomplish his purposes, uh, his promises, his purposes and his promises uh, to me. I, I praise him for that. Uh, look at verse 16. In uh, thine house and thy kingdom shall be established uh, forever before thee. Well, after thee is how we understand it. Uh, thy throne shall be established forever. Uh, according to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. So yeah, Nathan, Nathan is the one who spoke God's message uh, to David. Now, uh, Zach, I think I already gave a clue here to this answer, but uh, in verse 16, God promises David that his kingdom shall be established forever in his throne. His throne shall be established forever. And yet, uh, it, I know if I study through the Old Testament, you get Second Chronicles, you follow the line. Uh, Zedekiah is, is Judah's last king. He's the last uh, descendant in, in that sort of immediate line. And, and, and then there's a break. There's no, there's no direct descendant of David living on the earth today uh, who is ruling and reigning as a king. So you have to look at that and say, uh, did God break his promise? I just made a big deal about how God wouldn't break his promise. And it wasn't about the performance of David or the holiness of his lineage. God, God be gracious. He made a promise to be merciful, gracious, and to accomplish his promise no matter what. Uh, so where's the king? It's Christ. It's Christ. It, it, it is Christ. And uh, <laughs> thank you, sir. It's Lord Jesus Christ, son of David, uh, king of kings, Lord of lords. Is there a sense in which he is the king of kings and Lord of lords today, even if he's not physically reigning upon a physical throne, upon the physical earth tonight? Is there a sense? Would you help me understand that? How, in, in what sense? He's, he's still the king of kings and lord of lords, right? Even if he's not physically present here today, uh, he is that today. Now, is he present today? He is present. And whereas people are assembled, he's, he's present in a special way. I can't see him, but I know the Bible teaches that art, and so I know uh, it's true. Um, I, I know that's true today. There, there's a spiritual reality to the promise uh, that... that is there a sense in which the spiritual reality of this truth today uh, is a bridge between um, Zedekiah and some point in the future? Help me. The millennial reign of Christ. He's going to return, right? Uh, he's going to return physically with us if we understand our Bibles correctly. We believe we do at the end of the tribulation. Uh, and establish a, a physical kingdom upon a physical throne, upon a physical earth uh, for a thousand years, a, a literal uh, millennium, thousand year reign of Christ upon the earth. There'll be a new heaven, a new earth after that. But uh, yeah, uh, there, there's a spiritual reality that bridges from a physical king on a physical throne today, from Zedekiah through today uh, into the millennium. Anybody have any issue with that? Does that bother you in any way? Doesn't bother me at all. Doesn't bother me at all. Brother Ray, God doesn't break promises. And so anyone that would look at this and say, God broke his promise, no he didn't. <laughs> Christ is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords today, and he will return just exactly as he's promised. 
uh, and rule on a physical throne uh, again. So um, that's, that's um, a wonderful truth. Turn over to Isaiah 9 and verse 6, please. You know, you know the verses there, but turn there uh, for a second. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. Um, give you a moment. Give you a moment. Are you there? Isaiah 9 verse 6. So just, just put your finger there for one second. Just listen. Uh, back in Second Chronicles 7.16, our passage tonight, the Bible says, Thine house and thine kingdom shall be established. Be established. Before thee, thy throne shall be established forever. Um, here in Isaiah 9.6, there, there's something like this in, in terms of the construction. Uh, Isaiah 9.6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Who's that? Lord Jesus Christ. Um, this, that's, a, that's a prophecy of what? A child will be born is a prophecy of what? Zach? That's prophecy of what? Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His, yeah, his incarnation. Um, and the Bible says this after that, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Um, down verse 7, the increase of his government, peace shall there be no end. Upon what? Upon what? What does it say there? Throne of David. That's very interesting. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom uh, to order it. Uh, go back up verse 6 for a minute. Uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's prophecy, Zach, of what? The incarnation of Christ. Um, everything that comes after that, all the way down through the end of verse 7, is it, is it fulfilled yet? Or is it future? Now, I understand you could say, well, he's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's true today. But um, today, does the Lord Jesus Christ reign on the physical throne of David? Not, not a physical throne of David, right? Um, is the government um, upon his shoulder today? I mean, does, does he rule and reign on the earth as a governmental leader today? No, he doesn't. He, he doesn't. He, he hasn't. He didn't when he first came, right? He, he didn't come and displace the Romans and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to lead now. He didn't do that, but he is going to do that in the future. And this is just very interesting to see here. Um, you have here, in, in, even in, in verse 9, you get the first half of that verse um, is, is separated by, the fulfillment is separated by at least 2,000 years. Where the Lord hasn't returned to set up a government uh, to have the government upon his shoulders, to rule upon the throne of David. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. The first part has. The first part has. Zach, the first part promised what? The incarnation of Christ. And so if the Lord accomplished the first part, what does that do for you regarding your confidence regarding the second part? Does it boost your confidence? That Does it, does it give you confidence? If the Lord accomplished the first part, the miraculous uh, birth of, of, of Christ, the, uh, the, the miraculous conception of Christ, uh, that happened, right? I mean, that, that happened. Uh, it did happen, and we praise God for that. Uh, we understand the Lord accomplished the first part here. Mike, I'm going to say if, if God accomplished the first part, I ought to be greatly encouraged that he will accomplish the second part. There's a sense in which this is spiritually true today, but it will be physically true. The Lord will literally rule and reign upon the throne of David uh, in, in his millennial kingdom. And I'd be very confident of that. He came the first time. He will come the second time and accomplish this. And the promise made to David uh, will be kept in a, in a physical sense at that time. Certainly, it's kept in a spiritual sense tonight. And uh, we praise God for that. Look with me here um, in verse 18. Verse 18. I want to just um, kind of quickly read through the balance here. Uh, but I want you to, um, as we do this, I, I want to point out uh, one kind of major thing. Uh, David responds to these promises with, with the prayer. And it, it's a wonderfully humble prayer, uh, a prayer filled with thanksgiving. He calls himself servant many times. Mike, he's, he's, he's humbled by the promises that God has made to him. 
he's the shepherd kid who became the king of all the land and now has this even greater privilege than he ever imagined. Uh, he's humbled by the promises and privileges that he knows. Verse 18, then went King David in and sat before the Lord. Zach, the word underlying Lord there in the Hebrew would be what? Jehovah, God's personal name. It's, we know it's all caps, L-O-R-D. That's, the, that's how we know that. Uh, and he said, who am I, <laughs> O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hither to? He's very humble. God, who am I to have been set up as king uh, over all the land? And, and, and who am I to have this lineage that you would use in such a great way? Uh, and, and, and who am I that you'd be so merciful to my uh, lineage? Knowing how imperfect I am and how imperfect my, my lineage will be. Who, who am I? Zach, the second, the, the second use of Lord there. Who am I, oh, what is it? Who am I, oh, Lord God. Is it a different word there? The Hebrew is a different word under Lord. Do you, know, do you remember what it is? Oh, I'm picking on you. It's, it's, it's the word for, it's Adonai, it's master. Uh, remember, if it's all caps, it's Jehovah. It's God's personal name. But when it's uh, little L or capital L, little O-R-D, the underlying word is, is Adonai. It's, it's master, something like that. It commonly would be thought of as master. Uh, and uh, in this case, God is all caps. What's that mean? What does that mean? Do you remember? What is it? It's actually, um, it's actually Jehovah here. <laughs> Otherwise, it, it would read in English, Lord, Lord. And so the translators want to, just trying to help us out here, that uh, they want us to understand that David is calling the Lord his, his master. Uh, they, the translators want us, but we have to, we have to remember this. Uh, and so please just remember, take away, uh, remember to make that distinction when you're reading. If it's all caps, it's God's personal name, Jehovah. If it's uh, not all caps, Lord, it's, it's Adonai, Master. He's, he's referring to God using his personal name and all that that name means. And, and having done that, he's humbly submitting himself, yielding himself to the Lord who's just made these amazing promises to him uh, as his master. He'll, he'll use this Lord, Adonai, master, various times here, and he'll continue to refer to himself as servant because masters have servants, amen? Servants have masters and, and, and masters have servants and, and his master is his Lord and he's the servant uh, of his Lord. He'll call himself servant seven times bef before the end of the passage. Let's just read through it quickly. Uh, verse nine, this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord, Master God, Jehovah. Uh, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man? Uh, men are not able to accomplish this kind of thing. O Lord God, O, o Master Jehovah. And, and the Lord would surely be thinking, you're, you're right, of course. This, this could only be me that would accomplish this in your life uh, and your lineage to follow. David says in verse 20, And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, Master Jehovah, knowest thy what? Servant. You're my master. I'm your servant. Lord, help us. Listen, I understand tonight there's a sense in which we've been made sons. We've been adopted in the family of God, uh, and we're sons, and we're joint heirs with Christ. That's all true. Uh, that's all true. But I'm still a servant. How about you? Same is true. Both are true, right? Marilyn, we're, we're sons of God adopted into his family. Absolutely true. But I'm still a servant of that same God. I want to remember both, both of those truths. David certainly understood this. He, he calls the Lord master and he calls himself servant over and over in this wonderfully humble prayer. Uh, he says in verse 21, for, for thy word's sake... Uh, and according to thine own heart, thou hast done all these great things to make thy what? Servants uh, know them. David praised the Lord here in verse 22. He says, wherefore thou art great, uh, O Lord God. Zach, that's Jehovah Elohim. Uh, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee. What a great verse. According to all that we have heard uh, with our ears. What a great verse, great memory verse. 
Uh, David praises God for Israel and its uniqueness. He's got a unique God in verse 22. And in verses 23 and 24, God has a unique people. Verse 23, what a nation, what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem, to purchase for a people to himself and to make him a name and, and, and to do for you great things and, and, and terrible for thy land before the people, which thou redeemest again uh, to thee from Egypt, uh, from the nations and their gods. Verse 24, for thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever. And thou, Lord Jehovah, art become their God, uh, their Elohim. Now, Maryland, God has made promises and essentially proposed a covenant to David, but David needs to accept that proposal. Uh, it certainly seems like he's on board. Amen. This is a wonderfully humble response. But uh, in verse 25, it, it seems like he formally accepts the proposal. He, he formally enters into this uh, covenantal uh, agreement promises with the Lord. Uh, verse 25, and now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy what? Thy what? Thy servant. Uh, and concerning his house, that dynasty to follow, his lineage, establish it forever and do as, the, as thou hast said. Mike, what a wonderful confidence. Uh, what a wonderful faith. God knew that he might be tempted to wonder and to question and to uh, doubt. But the Lord came back with those promises and, and work through his words in David's heart. And David respond very humbly, and, so, and, and God blesses him with faith. And he just, David just walks right into this uh, agreement, uh, covenant, faithfully, uh, with faith from the Lord, no doubt. Verse 26, he, sa he says, Let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabah, is the God over Israel. Let the house of thy servant David be established forever. He's not doubting. God's convinced him. Uh, for thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy what? Thy servant, saying, I will build thee in house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, Master Jehovah, Thou art that God, Elohim, and thy words be, what? True. And thou hast promised this goodness unto thy, what, church? Servant. Finally, verse 29, uh, we see David desired the Lord just to continue blessing. Um, he asked three times. He, he, he accepts in faith that God will keep these promises David enters into this covenant with the Lord and asks God now to bless. God, I, I accept in faith and ask you now to bless. He, asks, he makes that request three times. Verse, 25, verse 29, there we go. Therefore now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, Master Elohim, won't forgive me, Master Jehovah has spoken it, and with thy blessing, let the house of thy servant be blessed for how long? Forever. And certainly in Christ, the Lord has answered that prayer. Uh, this wonderful son of David, descendant, uh, ultimate uh, savior uh, who comes through the lineage promised by the Lord. Uh, if David had been tempted to be discouraged, Mike, having received these promises and just humbly accepted them in faith, I don't think he's discouraged anymore. Uh, has God made promises to you? Has he made promises to you? Can he keep them? Will he keep them? Yes, he will. Uh, yes, he will. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, tonight that you're a God who makes promises and keeps them. Lord, we have no doubt tonight. We can see in your word that you're able to keep them and that you do keep them. Lord, I understand tonight that David, no doubt, was tempted to doubt. 
you understood that and you gave him your word of assurance. You comforted him with your words. You assured him. You gave him faith with your words. Lord, I thank you tonight that that same comfort and assurance and faith is available to us tonight through your words. Lord, thank you for giving them. Thank you for preserving them. Lord, thank you for using them in our hearts and in our lives today. Father, we understand tonight that the promises made to David are ultimately and literally fulfilled in Christ, who came and who died for us and who will come again and who will reign upon that throne. Lord, I look forward with great joy and anticipation to that day. Lord, help us remember tonight as we look around this world and all the trouble and difficulties, this world is not our home. We are just passing through. There is a great and glorious future ahead of us. I thank you for that tonight. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Zachary.